right. Good afternoon. I appreciate you uh, hanging in with us. We continue to, to worship our God and to spend time together, and I just can't think of a better way uh, to spend our time. I mean, we're going to be together in heaven anyway. We might as well get used to spending time together here on the earth. We've been thinking about fortifying the family, strengthening the family, and of course we know the family has been under assault for some time. And over the course of the day, we've tried to look at some, some various uh, facets by which we could strengthen the family. We know that if we, can, if we can do what is right by our young people, if we can instill in them good Christian virtues, the church will be better, our communities will be better. Our future will be brighter. And we know that if people can look at the relationship they have in marriage the way God intends for them to look at it, well, then their marriages will be better. Our churches will be better. Our communities will be better. This afternoon, I want us to think about the idea of leadership in the home. It's just something about my makeup. Maybe it's part of my training, but anytime I look at any organization, I'm always trying to think of how things can be better. If it's good, is there anything that we can do to to improve on it still? If it's already productive, is there any way that we can make it more productive? I just consider that a matter of good stewardship, getting the most out of what God has given us. When I look at churches, I look at churches that way. When I look at companies, I look at companies that way. And when I look at the family, see, I look at the family that way. Is there anything we can do to make families better, to help them to be stronger, to to help families be fortified in light of what is happening in our society? Well, when you begin to look at how improvements can be made, I tell you, it's always good to begin looking at the leadership. And see, that's the reason I want us to spend a little time this afternoon thinking about leadership in the home. I want to think with the men about leading your families. If you're like me, I do some research from time to time and I look at the statistics and the statistics are very alarming. I'm finding that more and more children are coming into this world in in an atmosphere where the father is not even present at the time they are born. I'm finding that more and more children are being forced to grow up in households where the father is completely absent. Friends, it would it would stagger your mind, I think, to know the percentage of children, not only who don't live in the same home with their children, with their fathers, but don't even live in the same state. Too many times men are just not there for their children. And. And my research tells me this all has a very uh, dynamic impact on on the children, but it has a dynamic impact on the on the mothers who are forced to raise these children without the aid of the fathers. An economic impact, you know, children are more likely to grow up in poverty if their father is not present. An emotional impact, you know, single mothers are going to be given to greater stress and more likely to have depression. They are going to be less involved in church and social activities if the father is not present. I read a study that said that middle schoolers are much more likely to have affective disorders if the father is not present in the home. 
It's not just economic, though. It's not just emotional, educational impact. Children who don't have a father in the home are much more likely to struggle in school and much less likely to graduate. Social impact. Children who don't have their fathers in the home are more likely to struggle with things like drug and alcohol abuse. And they're more likely to be physically and sexually abused as well. There's a spiritual impact. See, these other things concern me greatly. But I know that these other things are not eternal. What is eternal is the spirit. And I know that God has a special role. He has a function for a man in his home. And if the man is not there to do what God has put him there to do, everybody in the house is going to be more vulnerable to the forces of Satan. God esteems fathers very highly. He presents himself as a father. God esteems fathers very highly. He gives fathers a great deal of responsibility. God esteems husbands very highly. He calls men to be the head of their wives. You know, in 1 Corinthians 11, the Bible says that God is the, God is the head of Christ and Christ is the head of the man and, and the man is to be the head of his wife. Now, as I look at that organization, if there's going to be a breakdown, here's what I know. It's not going to be with the Father and it's not going to be with Christ. So if something's not working right in the home, the very next place for me to look is with the fathers, the husbands. God expects men to... To rule their own houses well, doesn't he? In 1 Timothy 3, where he lays out the qualifications for men who would serve as elders or as bishops, he says that a man has to lead his own house well. I mean, if he can't do that, he's not fit to be a leader now in the church. That doesn't mean he's not a good brother. That doesn't mean he doesn't have something to contribute. But God expects men to be leaders in their homes, and he expects them to do it well. What happens when men don't do it? I'm telling you that the ladies in the home are more vulnerable. So are the children. A large part of what we see in our society today. And we mourn and we lament the the fact that our society is at one of these low ebbs. You know, we look at that and we weep and we wail. But listen, it couldn't happen if fathers were doing their jobs. There's a deficit. And it's not just in the world. I see it in the church. How many of us have seen uh, the kind of circumstance where it's always the the mom who's taking the children to church, sometimes while the father's sitting there watching football? It ought to be the other way. It ought to be that the man is the first one up in the morning. It ought to be that the husband is the one who's shepherding those children and making sure they're ready. It ought to be that the husband is the one who's spurring his wife along to get there and to be first and to pay attention and to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's the way God set this thing up. Men ought to be leaders in their homes. By God's design, men are to rule in their houses. They are to protect those in their houses. They are to direct in their houses. Men are supposed to provide stability and peace and order. 
Now, I know that a house can be a holy house. It can be a healthy house. It can be a happy house. If a man isn't there, it can be. But it'll never be everything it could be. If that man is not there doing what he's supposed to. Being a husband and being a father is a man-sized job. I want us to think for a few moments this afternoon about how men ought to lead. I know that there's certain, uh, there's certain verses in the Bible that just thrill my soul in this respect. And we just heard one of them, you know, in Genesis 18 and 19, God is speaking about Abraham. You know, Abraham, you ever think about why God chose Abraham? I'm sure there were a myriad of reasons, but, you know, in Genesis 18 and 19, I think he sort of he sort of gives us a synopsis of why he chose Abraham. If you remember what's happening in the in the lineage of man at that time, you know, God has already judged man in the flood and and he's given man a second opportunity. And Noah alone had been righteous. And so Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives, their task was starting over again and repopulating the earth. Well, listen, it didn't take very long before we get to the Tower of Babel and here me and are living in open rebellion against God again. And it is in that context that the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 that God establishes this covenant with Abraham. He chooses Abraham out of a lawless world and he's going to begin again to make provision for all the families of the earth through the lineage of this one man. Now, why did he choose him? I'm sure there are lots of reasons. But Genesis 18, 19, I think, gets us off to a good start. God says of Abraham, therefore, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. He says, I know this man. And the thing I know about him is that he's going to command his children and his household, listen to it, after him. And they're going to do justice. They're going to do what's right. They're going to judge according to what I want. He chose a man he knew was going to lead his family. You think about Joshua 24, you know, there in Joshua 24, the the children of Israel have come over into the land. Now Moses has died and he's gone on. And so God has sent Joshua to to take the people of Israel forward in his absence. And, And Joshua has done all that he could in his lifetime. He's about to lay the body down and he calls Israel together and he he challenges the people first. He meets with the leaders there at Shechem and and they come together with all those people and he invites them now to make a decision. You can do whatever you want to do. I mean, God gives you free will. If you want to worship the idols that your that your fathers worshiped on the other side of the waters, you can do that. If you if you want to worship the idols that these heathens are worshiping here in this land, you can do that. But then he says, listen to it. As for me and my house, verse 15. We're going to serve the Lord. See, a leader. He's got to be able to say that. It's not that I'm going to do what is right and I'm going to hope that my family is going to do what is right. He needs to live his life in such a way that he can speak up for his family and say, not just me, but all of mine, all of my children and those in my house. We are going to serve the Lord. 
men need to lead their families. Now, here's the thing. I believe that sometimes men want to do it, but don't know exactly how. Some are like me. You know, I grew up a single family household or single parent household. My parents were divorced when I was younger. And so I had a great mom. She wasn't a Christian, but outside of that criticism, I don't have one. I mean, she couldn't obey something she didn't know. And so she raised me the best she could. But I just had a great mother. But you know what she could never be? A father. And so as I grew up, having had this wonderful woman invest her life and giving me every opportunity, I sort of grew up not having that kind of example. I mean, and so as I began to establish my own family and I married and I began to have children of my own, you know, there were just some things I didn't know better. And so I would try and I would make mistakes. And so we continue to grow. We continue to try to improve. And so that's the perspective uh, that I'm coming from this afternoon. I just want to share a couple of things with you that you can see right here in the Bible. Men, we have to lead our families and God doesn't leave us without some direction and some guidance as to how we are supposed to do that. Men, lead your families by providing a comprehensive education. As the head of their homes, husbands and fathers have to study God's word and understand his will well enough to instruct wives and children in the same. Did you see what God said about Abraham? I know him. He's going to command his children and his household. This man is going to know what I want and he's going to educate his family in what I want. Now, we thought about this this morning. I mean, Obviously, he's got to do this with his children. Proverbs 22 and 6. He's got to train them up in the way that they should go. And obviously, he's got to do this with his children. I mean, Ephesians 6 and 4, he's got to bring his children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. There was a time maybe when our school systems would have been a little help in this regard. They're not very helpful nowadays. And a good wife is an invaluable aid to a man raising his children right, providing a comprehensive education. A good wife is an invaluable aid, but the responsibility always falls on the man as the head of his house. You see, I remember in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, a lot of people uh, make very much of those two verses there, 34 and 35, where he's saying that if a woman wants to wants to know something, if she wants to learn anything, she ought to ask her husband at home. I, I oftentimes point out to people when they go to those verses that the ladies aren't the only ones being tasked with keeping silent in that passage. You study that sometimes. It's about orderly worship. And so when you're having a service and and things are going on, obviously the man is the one who's tasked by God with leading in those public services. And he says that the woman, if she has a question about what is going on, she ought to ask her husband at home. But did you pay attention to the fact that she's supposed to be able to ask her husband at home, which means he's supposed to have an answer? It's his job to provide a comprehensive education to those in his home. My wife, my wife deserves all the credit. If my children are ever well behaved, it's because of her influence. 
She's there much more than I am. She spends much more time with them than I do. And my children, if they know the Bible, listen, my wife deserves all the credit. But you know what my responsibility is? To make sure she knows, to make sure she has. And if they ever get out of line, to make sure that they uh, fall back in line. What I'm saying is she is my helper to making sure that God does get a godly seed in each of my children, Malachi 2. But it's my responsibility. In Deuteronomy 6, the Bible teaches me that the home is supposed to be a center of higher learning. If you look at Deuteronomy 6, this is one of my favorite passages here. And you've got the children of Israel being prepared to go over into the promised land. And the Bible says, beginning at verse number six, and these words which I command thee this day shall be upon thy heart. Listen to it. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Teach them diligently to your children the commands of God. You only have to worry about this when you're awake, sitting, or standing. It's all the time. And later in this passage in Deuteronomy 6, he says that in verse 20, when thy son asked thee in time to come, saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the ordinances which Jehovah our God has commanded you, then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's bondsmen in Egypt and Jehovah brought us out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. What's the point? Husbands and fathers are supposed to provide a comprehensive education. They're supposed to go in advance of their family members in their study of God's word so that they can teach God's word to their wives and to their children. Teach them the inspiration of the Bible. Teach them the meanings of love and respect. Teach them the importance of godliness. Teach them the efficacy of prayer. Teach them the parameters of acceptable worship. Teach them the singularity of God's call to sanctification. Teach them virtues like hard work and patience and compassion and humility and sacrifice. Lead your families. Show them what it means to to serve. Lead your families. Expose them to the dangers of the world in a way that will equip them to avoid the pitfalls they're going to run into. Men are supposed to do that. Men lead their families. By providing a comprehensive education, yes. But men have to lead their families by providing a Christ-like example as well. Now, we touched on this idea of example earlier this morning, but, but I just want you to see something here. It's not just about setting an example for the children. A man has to set an example for everyone in his house. That includes his wife. Husbands and fathers have to understand that their examples are the real keys to their influence. 
talking about the Bible is good and making sure everybody has an, has a copy of the Bible is good and and giving people some kinds of goals and parameters for reading the Bible is good. But there is no substitute for a living, breathing, walking and talking model of Christ Jesus in that home. The Bible tells me in Ephesians five that the husband. Is to be the head of his wife, the way that Christ is the head of the church. He has to set the pace for his family the same way that Jesus sets the pace for the church. The do as I do, do as I say, but not as I do do approach to leadership. uh, it, It just spawns disciples who will say what you say and do what you do. You see that? You tell them to do as I say, they're going to do as you do. And they will tell someone else the same thing you told them. It doesn't work. And so we must have a testimony before our families. You know, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul gives some insight. And he does this in a couple of his epistles. He gives some insight into why he was effective in leading. He talks to the church in Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2, and he says in verse number 10, You are witnesses in God also how holily and righteously and unblameably we behaved ourselves toward you that believed. He was able to say to them they had seen his example and he expected them to follow his instructions in large part because they had witnessed his own good and godly example. In 2 Thessalonians, same idea in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning at verse number 7, he says, For yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. He says, Follow our example, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. He could say to them, Listen, you should not behave in a disorderly way because you never saw me behave like that. A man ought to be able to say to his wife, listen, wife, I, I hope that doesn't throw you. I call my wife wife. That's who I'm talking about. He ought to be able to say to his wife, listen, wife. That's not OK. You don't hear me speaking like that. Listen, wife, that's not OK. You don't see me treating the children like that. He ought to be able to say to his children, listen, the next time you hear me use those kinds of words, then you can do it. His example has to set the pace for everyone in his home. You see, his wife and his children have to see principle become practice in their daily lives. When they watch their leaders, they must see consistent worship. They must see a benevolent spirit. They must see diligence. They must see sacrifice for righteousness sake. They must see him study the word of God for themselves. And they must see him submitting to God on a daily basis. They need to see that. And men, they're looking to you to find it. Telling alone is insufficient is what I'm saying to you. Something is lost when the demonstration fails. Men, lead your families. Give your wife a good example. Show her what it means to follow Christ. Give your children the kind of legacy that 
that when they're older themselves and they have their own grandchildren bouncing on their knees, they can say, my father did it this way. And let that way be God's way. A comprehensive education, men, lead your families. A Christ-like example, men, lead your families. Men also lead their families by providing continuing encouragement. When I look at leadership in the Bible, it pales, uh, or I should say it differs significantly with what we find in the world. You know, there's different kinds of leadership styles. I've seen them. Uh, There's the autocratic leadership style where you just sort of expect someone to do what you say because they occupy a higher position than you. And certainly God has set the man up to be the head in his house. And so there is a sense in which it is right and appropriate for those in his house to listen to him and to follow him. But that's a worldly kind of mindset that you'll do it only because I have authority over you. That's a worldly mindset. That There's this democratic style where, you know, it's just. Majority wins. And so we'll just vote. And every time a a majority goes in one direction, then that's the way we go. Well, that's not what I find in the Bible. That's not the kind of leadership that God lays out. I mean, if I want to know where we're going to eat after service today, we can do that democratically. But when it comes time to making sure that what we do lines up with the word of God, we're not going to take a vote on that. God prescribes servant leadership. And a servant always has to look at those whom he's serving. And he has to figure out what they need to be successful. And he's got to make it his life's business to make sure that they get it. One of the things that we all need is encouragement. I think sometimes, you know, men, maybe we're just wired a little differently. We we ignore the importance of our role as encouragers with our family sometimes. I'm saying to you, when it comes to leading your family, people have to be inspired. People have to be motivated. People have to know how good and affirming it is to have a father's listening ear. Wives need to know how good and important it is to have a husband's affirming touch, a leader's expression of confidence, a note of appreciation. In 1 Peter 3 and 7, I mentioned this before, but Paul, Peter says over there that a husband is supposed to give honor to his wife as the weaker vessel, he says. He's to give honor to his wife. That that idea of honor there in 1 Peter 3 and 7 has to do with praising one who is worthy of praise. Some encouragement, acknowledgement for a job well done. Sometimes when I talk to people about leadership, you know, sometimes I'll do these workshops or what have you on leadership. I would tell leaders of every stripe of every ilk, listen, you don't let any good deed go unappreciated. If ever a step is taken in the right direction, you ought to be right there with those people, encouraging them for having done what is right and encouraging them to take the next step in the right direction. That's what our families need. 
You know what? Leaders have to realize in their homes today, leaders have to realize it is not always easy to live a Christian life in a heathen world. And when you see people doing that, you ought to encourage them in doing it. When you see your children taking a stand because there are other people who are around them and could influence them in an ungodly direction and you see them take the stand you've taught them to take, you ought to be encouraging them in that regard. And when you see your wife who's making strides and making efforts and she's growing in Christ just a little bit every day, you ought to be there to encourage her to keep on going. You ought to let her know how proud you are to be married to a woman who will work that hard to grow and improve. When I look at Proverbs 31, the Bible tells me that that woman was praised by her husband and her children. Men, we need to be the number one encouragers in our house. That's just part of leadership. Men strengthen their homes with healthy heapings of praise and affection. And I know sometimes we have to do some correcting. I mean, sometimes you you even have to sit down and have a chat with your your wife about this thing or that thing. What I'm saying is when you do it, always be coming from a place of trying to inspire and motivate and encourage. Maybe she does need to be more mindful of her duties. Encourage her because you married a woman you knew could do it. And you're prepared to give her all the help that she needs to be who God wants her to be in that home. Encourage her. Encourage your children. You know, in routinely expressing frustration. And hey, by the way, I just want you guys to know this a little bit of insight. Uh, These are all things I'm constantly working on. I haven't mastered any of them. And this idea of frustration is certainly one that I have to work on constantly. But continually expressing frustration tends to engender anger in the family. Doesn't encourage very much good, but it certainly can discourage what is good. What I'm saying is men have to be encouragers just as Jesus was an encourager. Men lead your families. Comprehensive education. Men lead your families. We have to make sure that that we're also the number one encouragers in our homes. Here's the last idea I want to just uh, leave with you. I don't know if everybody thinks about this one, but I want to encourage you to think about it for just a few moments this afternoon and hopefully long after that. In leading their families, men have to provide a comfortable environment. Homes have to be secure in order for people to flourish in the home. And I know that one of the ways in which men are to provide a comfortable environment is to make sure that the home is financially secure. Of course, in 1 Timothy five, we know that a person has to provide for those of his own house. It doesn't mean that the The family has to abound in material riches. By the way, abounding in material riches brings its own dangers. But it does mean that you don't want the wife to always have to wonder whether or not the lights are going to be on. I I used to say this all the time. You know, I say if my children can't read, that's my wife's fault. 
If they can't read because the lights are off, that's my fault. I have to provide a comfortable environment. It doesn't mean we have to prosper financially, but it does mean that it'd be better if my family wasn't having to worry about whether or not they'd have a place to live the next day. Physically secure. It is my job, isn't it, to use the strength that God has given me to make sure that my family is uh, free from external threats. I can accomplish that in a lot of ways. I mean, I can make sure the doors are locked. I teach my children to do that. I can make sure we've got a good alarm and I teach my children to do that. I can go through all kinds of things to make sure that the external threats stay outside of my house. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to make sure that our families are physically secure in the house. Just yesterday. Brother, I know a preacher I know. Got a call from his wife, called my wife. Couldn't even understand half of what she was saying. She was so troubled and distraught. She was crying. And I was doing something else. My wife said, listen, you need to come to the phone. You need to speak to the sister. I come to the phone and I begin to talk to her. And she starts to tell me that her husband is in jail. She begins to tell me why. See, he'd abused her. Wasn't the first time. Wasn't the second time. It had gone on for years. What kind of man is that? What kind of leader is that? It's your job to make sure your family is secure. In the house. You'd never put your hands on anyone in your house to do them harm. Listen, I understand children have to be disciplined. There's a way to do it. You never put your hands on anyone in the house to injure them, to harm them. And it's the leader's job to make sure that doesn't happen. If it's between the children, if it's the children, listen, some kids get rambunctious enough. They'll put their hands on the mother. Guess who's supposed to make sure that doesn't happen? It's the man's job. And God forbid he be the one who poses the threat and the danger in his own house. Financially secure, physically secure, emotionally secure as well. In Psalm 127, the Bible says in verse three, the children are a heritage of the Lord. They ought to feel like the heritage of the Lord in your house. And dad, it's your job to make sure that they do. The Bible says that a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. And man, in your house, your wife ought to feel special. There ought to be an atmosphere of openness. There ought to be an atmosphere of easiness where the leader listens to everyone in his house and he values everybody's input. Listen, I know that a man ultimately has to make certain decisions, but that doesn't mean he gets to be a tyrant in his house. A comfortable atmosphere. Well, everybody knows that their feelings and their thoughts are respected. The family has to function as a team. Every member has a part to play. And the father is to make sure that his children know their part and that they play it. And that his wife knows her part 
and that she plays it. He's got to make sure that his house is spiritually secure. See, the man's job is to make sure the word of God is opened, read, and alleged every day in his house. That that family spends time together in prayer every day in his house. That everyone in his house is being equipped and prepared to go outside of the house and do battle with the devil and to come back with their spirituality intact every day. That's a man's job. He's supposed to keep bad spiritual influences out, of course. A lot of garbage can come in on the television. A lot of garbage can come in on the Internet and so forth. Man's got to make sure that what his children watch on TV is safe for them spiritually. What they're looking at on the Internet is safe for them spiritually. He's got to make sure that his family spends time singing together outside of the corporate services and praying together and reading together and discussing what God wants. And he's got to make sure that they have worship filled lives outside of the corporate assembly. Men, I'm saying to you, won't you accept the responsibility that God has already given you? Won't you embrace the responsibility of leading your families. If you haven't married already, I hope you'll find a good and godly woman to to marry and to raise up a godly seed. But listen, before you take on that responsibility, make sure you spend a little time understanding what you're agreeing to do so you can do it right. Ladies, I hope you'll find a man who who loves you. But who loves God more than he loves you. And who's going to do what God wants done in your house. So you can submit to him. The way God calls you to. You know, some of us are already married, of course, and sometimes we think, well, I bit off a little more than I thought I was going to have to chew. I told you. Being a husband and being a father is a man sized job. Be a man. And lead your family. It's not an accident that Noah and his family were the only ones who were saved. Noah was a good and godly man, but he led his family in such a way that when God saw him, he could bring him through the flood with his family. Men, we're supposed to lead our families in such a way that when Jesus comes again, he'll be able to receive us and all those in our houses with us. I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his example and the work that he has done that allows me and all of us an opportunity to call God our father. And I'm just thankful that there are plenty of men who look forward to doing everything they can to be godly fathers in their homes. And I'm challenging myself and the rest of us. We can do better. We can do better. And our families need us to do better. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died for your sins and for mine. 
He did that so that we could also call his father our father. We can call his father our father if we believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. We repent of our sins according to his teaching. We confess him with our mouths and we submit to baptism. Buried in baptism the way he was buried in the earth. Rising again to walk in newness of life. And then we have to live faithfully. Even if faithfulness means that we die. If you would like to call God your father, this is your opportunity to do it. If you stand in need of prayer, this is your opportunity to have it. Will you come as we stand and